Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 48 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsors, Clio and LexisNexis. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In the last podcast, we talked about good ways to make technology resolutions for 2011. In this episode, we'll answer an audio question from a listener about what technology might work well for a startup mid-sized firm and the potential role of cloud computing in the small to mid-sized law firm market. Tom, want to tell them what we'll be covering today, or did I give it away already? Um, you pretty much gave it all away, Dennis, but that's okay. In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we're going to discuss some of the technology that lawyers need when they're starting up their own firm these days. In our second segment, we ask each other some of our own questions that we, we've been wanting to ask over the past couple of weeks. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can begin to use the second this podcast is over. But on to our first segment. We got an audio question from a listener, Danny Johnson. This is a good time, by the way, to remind you that we always like to get your questions. And if you submit them in an audio format, we'll play them on the show, assuming they're clean, of course. Uh, Here's Danny's question. Dennis, Tom, and everyone else listening that's not sitting in a posh recording studio, greetings. My name is Danny M. Johnson. And though I don't listen to podcasts very often, when I do, I prefer the Kennedy Mile Report. So, fellas, go the extra mile and help me out with this question. If you were to start a 10 to 20 attorney law firm today, how would you set up your firm from a software and technology standpoint, and how would the cloud fit in to this overall plan? That's it. Signed, I got 99 problems, but a server ain't one. Well, Tom, let me take the first stab at that. Uh, it's, this is a great question because I think it comes up a lot. A lot of uh, lawyers these days and big firms are looking at what they're doing, assessing other potential opportunities, and, and maybe looking for a way to spin off a group of lawyers into their own firm. And technology plays a, a key part in their considerations because they see it as a way that to give them a little bit of competitive advantage, but they would also like to have at least, if not better, technology than what they have in the firm they have. And that poses some challenges. And I think that what Danny's question really moves us toward is, is, the, is the notion of, of cloud computing and what are some of the ways – that are different than the traditional hardware software approaches that might give a, a mid-sized startup firm or a mid-sized firm just looking to completely revamp its technology uh, a, a good leg up. Tom, how do you react to, at least initially, to his question? Well, I reacted in a couple of different ways. It, it sounds like when he talks about 10 to 20 people, it sounds like um, – He's not talking about a bunch of people that are just out of law school that all got together and decided to start their own firm. It sounds like people who have already been in practices before, which means that they probably already have some expectation of the kinds of technologies that work well for them. And I think that's 
really one of the first issues that needs to be considered is the, the fact that that those lawyers already know what works well and and is cloud computing going to uh, affect them negatively or positively I, I think frankly that when you're talking about a firm of that size especially when you're talking about the um, the, the startup costs that a new firm has I think cloud computing makes a lot of sense but I really really think that if you're going to if you're going to start to think about cloud computing as a, as part of your technology, that has to be one of the first things that you think about because you you can go down the road of traditional technology um, or you can go in the direction of cloud computing. But before you know, I guess before we 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 go any further on this, maybe we need to back up a little bit and explain a little. I think that a lot of our users understand what cloud computing is, but maybe some don't. So Dennis, do you want to give us a little bit of a help and give your definition of cloud computing? Well, cloud computing is a, has really grown in popularity and, and uh, it's a more, I guess they would call it these days, top of mind concept than, than at any time in the last couple of years. Um, and I think it's become a lot more focused. So if the people who really delve into to cloud computing will say it's made up of three areas. Uh, one's called infrastructure as a service. One is called platform as a service. And the other is called software as a service, which I think is people are most familiar with. There are also private clouds, public clouds, and what they call hybrid clouds. The main idea of cloud computing is, is that your data and a lot of times the processing of that data is happening not on your internal network, but externally uh, over the internet and uh, where your data is held and and that data is processed at, at large data centers um, that you may or may not even know where they exist. But um, maybe I've overcomplicated a bit. Tom, do you have a simpler definition? You know, I, the, the definition that I prefer to use for cloud computing is probably what most people would think of when they hear the term software as a service, or maybe that's it's the real definition of software as a service, because when I describe cloud computing to lawyers, I, I basically say that it is using someone else's computers in the cloud, that's why they call it cloud computing, on the internet, to do the things you previously could only accomplish on your own computer. Email, document creation and management, storing files, the types of things that the applications on your computers do, now you can do them using someone else's computers and someone else's software. Does that make it simple enough? Yeah, I think I think that's great. And I also like to say that really the in uh, cloud computing, the main program that you'll use on your computer or these days on your phone is the browser. So, uh, you know, an Internet Explorer or a Firefox uh, or a mobile browser. And so what's happening? Happening is that you're actually going to web page, and that's where the action really happens. Um, so, so that's sort of the cloud. But the cloud can be used for a number of things, from uh, conferencing, uh, document management, sharing, sharing documents, uh, uh, all sorts of different things. And so that it becomes interesting in the equation for a, a startup firm in a number of a number of ways and and probably first among those is to reduce the initial cost of capital don't you think tom 
No, I think that's definitely a way to do it because with cloud computing services, you are generally not paying uh, the same types of costs that you would pay for software. You'd, you'd be paying not only the implementation fee to get the software installed, but you'd be paying a licensed um, yearly license fee on a on a per user basis with cloud computing tools, or, or maybe I should say software as a service tools. Um, you're typically paying only on a per user basis, and you're paying generally a much smaller overall fee than you would be paying for something something like, for example, Microsoft Office. I, I know that there's one law firm that uh, I think, Dennis, you and I have talked about on a previous, uh, may have been on a previous podcast here, uh, a, a law firm that that went to all Google Docs and Google Apps for everything. And uh, they were spending, I know that if you go to Google Apps, you're, you're probably paying, I think, $50 per user per year. And uh, that's a that's an excellent cost when you consider the price that it uh, that it uh, takes you to you must pay to, to get Microsoft Office and get Outlook and Word and Excel. Of course, there are trade offs, and we've talked about the trade offs. But I, I think that that one of the things you have to think about when you are starting your firm up is. What are the types of technology that we need to have? And I think that at a, at, a, at a minimum, you need to think about email, productivity suite, so an office suite. You need to think about practice management software if you've used it. Even if you haven't used it, you need to be thinking about it. You need to think about time and billing, whether that's part of your practice management software or not. And then take a look at those and decide which uh, which of those types of tools need to be uh, based on software, what 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 makes most sense? Is there a tool that you really like to use that you can't do without, or is it maybe time to to take a look at a cloud based service for one of these areas? And I think that that's one of the things that you have to to do at the very beginning. That's why I was saying earlier that this needs to be a decision that gets made fairly early, because if you're going to go down one road or both a combination of both roads, a little bit of each, uh, you need to make these decisions up front. And and cost is really going to be um, the primary factor. What are some of the other issues, Dennis, that people need to think about when starting up a new office or revamping their technology? Well, I think you want to really take a step back and, and you know, in the same way that you're looking at, uh, you know, the financial aspect and maybe getting an accountant and, and all of those things as you assess. And I, I think typically we really are talking about a group of lawyers looking to spin off of a larger firm. It's probably the classic uh, scenario. So you're doing a lot of work. And, and, and as I said, a lot of times people are looking to say, we would like to be able to do this. We would like to be able to do this better. We would like better. And, and the, the lawyers you're bringing with you are like, say, we would like to have better computers. We would like to have more mobile access. We would like to do all these things. And so I think you need to start thinking about that. A lot of times I've run into people who, uh, who kind of come to the technology question too late in the process in a way. And, and I have a right. great example I like to use, which is uh, used to be, and you probably still get these, but uh, like the Dell catalog would come to, to a group of lawyers who wanted to one of a group of lawyers who's looking to spin off a firm and they would see a, like a server uh, that was priced at maybe like 1999 or something like that. And so they would say, okay, so we we're going to start a new office. We need a server and a network. And so we're talking about a couple thousand dollars. Well, when you start to price out what you really need in terms of hardware, you know, backup, memory, you know, all these sorts of things, you add in the network software and other things, you add in consulting services that 
I've I've seen cases where that two thousand dollars was more like twenty five thousand dollars, and it is absolute sticker shock to to people. So I think that going in and and that's a reason why the cloud becomes attractive. So if you say instead of coming up with you know twenty five thousand dollars worth of server and a full time employee and new laptops and all these other things for people, I'm budgeting uh, a cloud computing services at a monthly cost, letting people use the the laptop they already have, uh, at least to get us started, we can get up off the ground and have uh, really good functionality uh, right away and get to work and start to make money and then and you know get off the ground. So I, I think that, as you said, Tom, thinking about technology really early in the process is, is probably a, the key point and then finding somebody that you can talk to about that. You know, I agree with that. Um, but when I think and I talk and I look at look on Twitter and I look at all of the uh, the articles being written about uh, cloud computing for lawyers and and whether cloud computing is is a, uh, a a reasonable tool, lots of people have concerns about it. We have um, bar associations doing uh, issuing ethical opinions about it. We have uh, the ABA 2020 committee thinking about cloud computing to a certain extent. And we have a lot of lawyers saying, I'm not going to move to the cloud because there's just too many concerns that I have about that. Uh, I have some thoughts on that. But Dennis, what do you think about the, the idea that, uh, that, that cloud computing may not be ready for a law practice to move to? Well, I always like to, to kind of kid around and say that I'm always surprised by the number of people complaining about their concerns about cloud computing who express those concerns on cloud tools like Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> so, I mean, people are just, or on, you know, so a lot of us, the classic cloud computing tool is, is, is email. So like a Gmail, Hotmail, the other accounts that people have used, you know, for email, uh, for a long time are the classic example of, of cloud computing. So, uh, there are issues there. When I, but when I look at, at the startup firms, the firms of this size, when you're this size, you're, you're going to be networked. You have a, a lot of needs. And I think you're looking at, at minimum, uh, you know, of, a near full-time consultant or possibly a full-time employee to deal with your technology. And when people talk about security in that setting, um, you're not going to have, so you're not going to be able to find people who are dedicated security experts. Um, I actually have more concern about security in that, that sort of startup law firm kind of seat of the pants starting out with new hardware and software than, than I do people using cloud services and using them smartly and and doing their due diligence and finding the, the right tools, do, using good password, good security models. So um, it's these issues are really tricky. So I, I'm not saying, oh, my God, just jump to the cloud because uh, it solves everything. But I just think you need to, when people start talking about the dangers of the cloud, to me, you just have to say, compared to what? And compared to what is what otherwise you're doing? And I'm just not sure that in a lot of cases, the cloud is not going to be a better, a better choice when you take into uh, account all those factors. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon and, and say that I agree with that. I, I think that, that when, when I 
consider what is necessary to put together the right security for the types of software that most law firms have. When you are thinking about a 10 to 20 lawyer firm, uh, most of the 10 to 20 lawyer firms I know don't have an IT person. They outsource that. That person is not on call. There may be a security, you know, it may be a security, I mean, a technology company, an IT company that, that you get a different person every time you call over there, which which has its drawbacks, but there may be a security person there who can help. Um, obviously, if you're going to outsource your IT, that's one um, Im- very important thing that you're going to want to consider. But I, what I always talk to people about is that uh, that the security at Google is probably a hundred times better than the security of any of the law firms I know. Uh, but yet, when they hear a story about something being leaked or or Gmail going down or something going wrong. Um, that's what they leap on, even though there is 99.75% uptime and and very few um, instances of security breaches. Uh, I, I think that I, I, if I'm having to make that choice, I'm going to probably come down on the area of cloud computing being the more secure. But I recognize that there are going to be some hesitation over time, and it's going to take some time for lawyers to get comfortable with that. We've only got a few more minutes in this segment, Dennis. So, what are some of your best tips for the law firms? What the for for, for Danny's firm uh, that he's talking about? Where do you think they ought to start uh, in addressing this question? Well, I think you want to look at the functionality that you want. So, I, it's almost like I abstract back a step, even from what software do I want, but sort of what do I want to accomplish, and and what are we doing? What kind of polished face do I want to? Uh, present to my clients. That's a really attractive part of the cloud. If I can do extranets and other things, you know, almost immediately, sort of always, you know, for the last several years, there have been small firms who start out using tools like Basecamp to give each of their clients a little extranet. Uh, you know, Basecamp, very, very simple project management tool, very inexpensive. So I look at that. So I look at functionality. I look at a blended model. So, you know, can you go all cloud in a firm that size? I'm not really sure. I mean, I think over time, you're going to you know, you are going to have a, the you know, some kind of network internally, do those sort of things. So I look at a blended approach. And then as always, thing you always hear from me is a portfolio approach. Okay. So let's figure out, uh, what needs to be done internally, what can be done externally. Let's try some different things. Let's kind of hedge our risks in a number of ways. And if you, if you think you're going to jump into the cloud, I mean, let's, let's, you need to be realistic. There have been companies that have gone out of business. You should have concerns about those things, but that comes into redundancy, that comes into backup, that comes into, you know, due diligence. You need to do those things. Um, and, but you need to do the same things if you're hiring an IT person internally, if you're running it yourself. So uh, those are the types of things I think you really, so it all comes down, I think, Tom, you and I, I, t- I talked a little bit before, but I think it really does come down to developing some kind of strategy that you've thought through before you jump into this. I think so, too. And really, the only thing I would add to that has to do with the strategy. If you're if you're talking about a firm that's 10 to 20 lawyers, if it's lawyers that are coming from a couple of different firms that may be using different technologies, or even if it's just 10 to 20 lawyers who are breaking off from the same firm, the first thing I think you need to do when you start to talk about technology is you need to sit down and and audit and, and, and make an inventory of what technology 
was each lawyer used to working with at their firm? What did they have and what did they need to do their business? And like I said, if it's multiple firms combining to form one 10 to 20 lawyer firm, you're probably going to have a lot of different types of technologies that people are going to talk about. It's a little bit easier if they all came from the same firm. But once you get that, you take a look at it and you're really going to need a champion here out of the 10 to 20. You're going to need a technology committee. And if, if, if with a 10 to 20 lawyer firm committee is, is, is a quarter of your firm, then maybe just two or three people who, who want to go out and determine What's the best of breed? What makes the most sense in each area? What's our productivity suite? What's our time and billing? What are the options that we have? And really take a look at what makes the most sense from both either an internal or external standpoint. Make those determinations ahead of time and then Hopefully, as you're doing your due diligence on each of those pieces of software, you'll get those other questions an- answered about cost, about security, about um, uh, the, the, the polished face you're going to present to your clients because clients these days, believe it or not, um, do care about the technology that you use in a lot of cases. And I think that starting out with a with that plan, with that strategy, um, and understanding where you came from will help you a lot in where you're going. Dennis, final thoughts. Yeah, I, I still think that this this mid-sized part of the market is the toughest part of the market to be in for for technology. I think it's the issues can be quite difficult. It's difficult to know where to to look for help and to get that help. Um, so I th- really think that you need to go out and find other people who've been through this, who have some experience in this area. I think this is a perfect area where I. I I think, you know, whether it's a LinkedIn group or something like that, um, there's just a need for, for more resources in this mid-sized firm area. Yep. Nope. Totally agree. Before we move on to our next segment, uh, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsors, Clio and LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as as a really resounding response, and and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, The mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. With cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, 
is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis for manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. It's in time for another Stuff Tom and Dennis have been talking about segment. Uh, Tom and I have, been, I have a new computer. Tom's talking about getting one. <laughs> and we started talking about solid-state drives and how, how great they are for how fast they are. But they're very expensive, and you end up with sort of smaller capacity than you're traditionally used to. And so that got us thinking about why do we have all the data that we have on hard drives anyway that we're carrying around with us? And and typically, it's a scattered all over the place, too. So we thought we'd talk about ways that maybe we could do some spring cleaning on your hard drive, better ways to organize things. And and Tom, I guess I wanted to start off by getting some of your insight, you know, from the world of e-discovery and records management. I mean, uh, are there things that you're finding out there that we can kind of translate to help us on our, our own hard drives, either at home or at work? Actually, what I want to do, Dennis, if it's okay with you, is is switch it around and and talk from a a, a more personal standpoint than from a records management or e discovery standpoint. I, I mean, I, I, if if we talk from records management, I'll be preaching more than giving advice. But uh, but I want to I want to cover that sort of in the follow up to this area. I really want to talk more about the different things you need to think about. When you when you have a hard drive that gets full of stuff, the longer that you let your hard drive go, the more that it gets clogged and cluttered with a bunch of different things. Now, the, the problem is, is that as hard drives get bigger, Dennis is right, I'm in the market for a new computer and I find that uh, that the standard size right now of a hard drive is a terabyte. And right now on my hard drive, I don't even come close to, to, to filling up 250 gigabytes. And with our conversations about the cloud and storage moving to the cloud, um, it's surprising that there are computers computers with, with, with hard drives this big. Uh, you, you would think that with a hard drive that big, you wouldn't have to worry about things being cluttered up. But for a couple of different reasons, you really want to, 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 to clean, uh, clean them out. One is for records management purposes, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But the other one is really affecting your system performance. And so when I think about cleaning your hard drive, I think about several issues. Files you don't need, not just documents, but music files, podcasts you're not listening to, videos, those types of things programs you no longer need. When you have a program that you download, you try out, you really don't like it, why does it stay on your computer? Get rid of it, improve your the performance on your computer. But what you wind up getting there is you wind up getting leftover registry files and folders that still clutter things up and, and maybe not taking up a lot of space, but affecting the performance of your computer anyway. Uh, the thing that I think is amazing is the amount of temporary files that are on a person's computer. I, I still have lawyers who are surprised that when they open a a document up on their computer from an email that a copy is saved to a folder and they don't know about that folder or where it is or that it's saving information for them. And so I have personally on my on my own computer, my work laptop and on my home computer, I kind of have a process that I follow to clean junk off. If I want to remove a program, I use a great program called Revo Uninstaller, which 
completely removes the program. It, it essentially uses the program's own uninstall executable. But it, but then what it does after that, it, it goes beyond that and deeply cleans out all the registry entries associated with that program and the folders and files that you might find in your start menu. Um, I then use a tool called JV16 Power Tools to really clean out the registry, just to make sure that there isn't anything from any of those programs left. And actually, when you delete a file anyway, it the pointer to it still stays in your registry. That takes up space in the registry as well. Um, when I download files from the internet, I usually specify a folder where they're stored rather than not know where those downloaded files go. Um, and so periodically I go back through that folder and I delete what I don't need and then I move what I do need to a folder where I, I know where to go, go to it. Um, when I'm done with all that, I use a program on both my home and work computers called CCleaner, which I think was originally called Crap Cleaner, believe it or not, to do a deep clean of my computer. It empties out the recycle bin, all the temporary directories, my browser caches, any place that I can specify where extra data is hiding. I don't point it at any areas that I know that there are documents that, that, that I don't want to have deleted. It does a great job of cleaning out the hard drive. Um, Dennis, do you have any particular practices that you use that I haven't talked about? You know, I like to see cleaner too uh, on uh, on on Windows computers, and I think that uh, you can also do an, a number of of things. And I was thinking as as you were talking that uh, I just crank down a lot of my settings. So my browser settings, I basically keep no history. You know, I don't really allow a lot of things to build up in in the browser. Um, there are some other, you know, you can defrag in the sort of defragging tools. You can uh, you can find some things. The things, the things I also look at, and maybe goes to some of the stuff you do, Tom. But uh, a lot of times you get a lot of duplicate files, um, yep. and yep. and so so that's taking up space, especially with the audio and video. You got a couple of you know a couple of copies of something on there. It can take up a lot of room. Uh, a lot of these updates of of programs just don't delete themselves so you can find right. a big folder Each that has files. A, yeah that can have a bunch of say iTunes or uh, or or windows updates uh, that that are just hanging around and you just don't even know they're there so just sort of good practices along uh, along those ways of of identifying those those things that don't need to be there um, and then being rigorous about it the other piece of it i think is that a lot of times we just do a bad job at organizing and i'm always working on this and so I tend to do yearly folders and throw everything into there. Um, but sometimes that doesn't work so great. Um, you know, when I'm looking for a presentation that I did a couple of years ago and I can't remember what, what year, I think what helps these days is, uh, in the, the newer versions of Windows and then on my Mac, the search tools are really great now, uh, to search your hard drive. Mm -hmm. So sure. a little bit less concern about the folders you put them in. But I think developing a, a better approach to that, whether it's, you know, a yearly thing, a functional thing, you know, a folder that's just presentations, those sorts of things all help. But, um, you know, just taking a little bit of time to say, how do I really use this? And where am I putting stuff that I never go back there that I'm always forgetting where things are? And just being a little bit more, uh, you know, trying to rationalize your folder system, I, I think is the other tip I would give people. Yeah. And, and, and 
I think we, we, we don't really have a lot of time to talk about cleaning your hard drive from a records management and e-discovery perspective, but suffice it to say that especially if you've got a if you've got a computer that you're using for work purposes, those records are important uh, in two different ways. One, from a records management perspective, how are you managing the records you create as part of your practice? And then two, from an e-discovery perspective, if you are not deleting them pursuant to a good records management program, then um, you are at risk of having very old documents that are still lying around on your hard drive or hard drives, depending on how many computers you have, that could become relevant in litigation. And so I think that any firm, regardless of whether you're a solo firm or a, a Fortune, I mean, an ALM Law 100 firm needs to have a retention schedule that discusses the types of records that are created within the firm, how long those records need to be kept, and then it needs to be followed. You have to periodically review the files you're keeping and prune away those documents that you don't need according to your retention schedule. I, I really am a big fan of what they call the cleanup day. Uh, companies have this, no reason why law firms can't have it, where fir firm employees get together to dispose of those files in a, in a defensible way, only files that have met their retention periods. Um, this applies to both paper and digital records, and I think it's a terrific way to deal with um, with the records you no longer need in your practice. Yeah, I think that, Tommy, you, just, you gave me a, a really interesting idea, which is to have like your own records management and retention policy for yourself on your personal computer that's yep. something that you do from time to time, not not for legal reasons, but just as that you just have a process for yourself to help kind of clean things up and, and, uh, and get rid of stuff that no longer needs to be there. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. My parting shot this uh, episode is to talk about loaning books on the Kindle. Uh, Kindle was criticized for a while because it, you were unable to uh, loan books, unlike the Barnes & Noble Nook ebook reader. Um, but the Kindle now has that ability that Kindle users can loan the book. Now, there still are restrictions that people might not like. You can only loan it once, and it can only be for two weeks. But that has raised something that I think is very interesting. And uh, so I urge you, if you a Kindle user uh, to go to the KindleLendingClub.com. Someone started this comp this uh, site so that you can sort of find people who have books that you want to borrow from them and let them know about the books that you have to lend as well. You just click either borrow or lend, and that sets you up with the person who has that book. You're able to borrow or lend that book for two uh, two week purpose. And if you don't want to buy the book, it certainly saves you that money. Interesting website. Interesting use of the uh, the new digital lending library. Dennis. Yeah, ebooks are really changing things. I, it's a such a big technology this year. I my parting shot uh, is about a website or called Spokio, and so when you think about privacy, for many years the most interesting area to me has been the aggregation of information that's public all into one place that leaves you with the feeling that. 
even though each individual piece is public, when you see it all together, it's an invasion of your privacy. So Spokio kind of takes that to the ultimate. And so you go there and it's like a dashboard. You type in your own name and you get to see all this stuff about you, where you live, uh, the value of your house, the, uh, you know, an estimate of what your annual income is, all from public sources, all aggregated in one convenient place. And, and then people can pay money to, to, to dig down and get even more details about what's available. And it's a little eerie when you go there. It's, and so I, I think it's worthwhile to see, to go check that out, to see what's out there about you, to see what's going on in this sort of uh, world where people scrape information off the internet and aggregate it, um, either into a, a lawyer profile or this, this, this type of thing. And then, uh, to kind of get a sense for that. Cause when you see your own stuff, you start to worry about this whole garbage in, garbage out phenomenon. And what happens when you get these profiles, uh, out there about you that aren't quite right? Tom, I looked at you up on Spokio and I saw that your mom and dad are living at your house. Uh, I didn't know whether you knew that or not, but uh, <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> but, but Spokio thinks that's the case. And so, so I, I think that, you know, uh, it's, it's something that's worth taking a look at to see what out there on the internet that people think of, about you and and what are the implications of that especially if there's there's something wrong you know for years uh Law practice management tipsters have said to Google me, uh, Google yourself to uh, to find out what the web thinks of you. And maybe now we're moving to spokioing yourself. I don't know. That's I don't know that that sounds quite as uh, it rolls off the tongue as well as Google yourself. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes site at tkmreport.com slash blog. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Try out cloud computing for yourself by subscribing to this podcast. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.